0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg
1: On the bottom of page 342 Today is a very auspicious day It's Hei Menachemov It's the yard site of the Arizal Rabbi Isaac Luria, the greatest Kabbalist that ever lived in the city of Tzfat, around 500 years ago, is referred to as Ari HaChai, Ari the Lion. Ari HaChai is alive, and is more alive with each passing year. And the whole Chasidus is based on the Kabbalah of the AriZal, who was like the last word on Kabbalah. So, on this very special day. We continue the Tanya. It's essay number four. Probably the most profound essay, the deepest essay. We learned last week that the difference between when you study Torah, although the Torah discusses physical, our physical world, Torah is telling us kosher, not kosher, guilty, not guilty, permitted, not permitted, Right or wrong, true or false, the Torah is dealing with the physical world, agriculture, animals, civil law, etc. Although we find Hashem's wisdom in everything in this world, everything is created with Hashem's wisdom. You find tremendous wisdom in everything. That's the ingredient with which Hashem created the world, with wisdom, 32 paths of wisdom, the opening of the Book of Formation, which, me, which refers to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet and the 10 numbers, 10 wrote And these are the paths of wisdom that lead from wisdom to the heart and then which, which Hashem creates the world. The whole world is created with the concepts and numbers and letters. So we have to have a find Hashem's wisdom in everything. But there's a big difference. Because in the, in the world, the world conceals. Hashem is concealed, is hidden. And therefore it's mundane, it's not holy. But in the Torah, although the wisdom discusses, the wisdom of the Torah, the divine wisdom discusses the material, but it's, it's like it just passes through. The analogy is like when you write an idea with your fingers. So the idea is transmitted through the finger. The finger has no concept of what it's writing. But to get from the idea to the paper you need a physical finger, you need a pen and a paper and you're writing. So the the finger is just transmitting, the finger is just passing through. It doesn't contain anything. It doesn't retain anything. It doesn't uh, dilute it. It doesn't shape it It define it. It doesn't internalize it. It's just completely see-through, passing through. Like The body and the soul. The body is a completely see-through, transparent to the soul. It's just a container where it's completely nullified to the soul. When I look at the body, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, you your personality, your character, your soul not the corpse, not the clay. It's completely transparent. So, yes, it's discussing the physical and the material, but it's totally transparent. It's like the finger that's trans- tr- transmitting the divine wisdom. What Hashem thinks. Right or wrong, guilty or not guilty, obligated or not obligated, kosher or not kosher, pure or impure. It's Hashem's thought process that's being con- that's being transmitted via the physical subject matter that we're discussing. So it's, I'm getting the direct transmission of the divine wisdom versus the divine wisdom and science and physics that we find in everything in this world. It's internalized. It's concealed. It's like when the teacher wants to teach and he has... He's too abstract for the students and he has a maturgament. He has someone who translates it, who internalizes it and then dilutes it and then transmits it, but it's, it's already altered. He alter the message. It, it goes through. It's processed. The message is processed and it's a little distorted or altered. You're not getting the pure, direct transmission. So yes everything in this world ultimately at the root and at the source is divine but the divine is process and concealed and hidden and by the time it goes through that process it's totally concealed and what you get is you get something that's either physical or tangible something that's so it's it's diluted it's distorted it's not the same that's the distinction. Now he's going to use an analogy. On the bottom of page 342, just as... This is on the festivals from
0: Chesed of the Yitzhiu, which is completely clothed in Chesed of Berea, vivifies
1: this visible world by passing through the Chesed of Yitzhiro and of Yitzhiro. So during the day, during a holiday, the world is elevated. The world receives its life force. Chesed is the kindness with which the life force, with which Hashem creates the world with chesed, with His love and kindness. But it's in a higher level. The world is receiving its, its, its animation from a higher world, a more elevated world, a world of creation. During the week, the world receives its life force. It depends. Outside the land of Israel, in, in the land of Israel. Outside the land of Israel, we receive our life force and the kindness of Asiya, which is the lowest world. And Allah says that the earth of the earth outside of Israel and the and the atmosphere outside of Israel contaminates you. Is tame and contaminates you, versus the land of Israel and the atmosphere in the land of Israel is pure, because the land of Israel all week round receives its life force from the world of formation. It's a higher energy. Versus the rest, outside of Israel. On Yom it's a holy day. It's a good day. Mikroi Kodesh. It's a day that we invite holiness. So we receive our life force then from the world of creation. But, we can't receive the life force directly from the world of creation. But the world of creation is a spiritual world. It's a spiritual realm. We are physical. But we receive our life force primarily from the world of creation, but it passes through, he's going to say in a moment, it passes through the world of formation and the world of creation. But it just passes through. It's not diluted, it's not altered, it's not changed, it's not fitted to the world of, of formation and action. It just passes through. But what you're getting is the transmission you're getting the transmission of the world of creation. And that's why in Yom we feel elevated. It's a holier day. Because we're, we're operating in a different dimension. The world is receiving its life force from a different, a different higher level. But it's transmitted through the world of formation and, and action. Just like the finger is transmitting the idea. So it, 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 it just goes through. It just passes through. It's not affected by it. It doesn't affect it whatsoever. It's not like the case of a teacher. Or let's say a teacher wants it, the idea. You're trying to transmit an idea that's too dazzling or too brilliant or bright for the student's mind. So the teacher has to teach it by way of a parable. So when the concept goes through the parable... The like idea is changed by the parable. The parable, yes, the parable matches the, the idea, but it's altered in the parable. It fits the parable. It's altered in the parable. What you're getting is you're getting something a little diluted. It's not the same. The light is dimmed. The light is altered. Yes, there's a nugget inside. It's parallel, but I don't see that like a hologram, where you project a three-dimensional reality on a, on a two-dimensional surface. But you take the two-dimensional reality, you just take it at face value. I see a cartoon, I see a two-dimensional reality. I don't realize that this cartoon, <laughs> this two-dimensional reality, is really a projection of a three-dimensional reality. A four-dimensional, a five-dimensional. What I see is I just see this dimension and it's disconnected. Were I to see, to read it correctly and realize that all I'm seeing is I'm just seeing a tip of the iceberg. I'm just seeing a projection. And then when I would look at the projection, I would read and see its origin, where it's coming from. But I don't see that. I just take it at face value. Like the student hears the parable. He doesn't see the brilliance, the inner core, where where the parable is coming from. I just see the parable. It's interesting. I get it. I can grasp it. That's my world. That's my reality. I don't see beyond that. I learned something. I can understand it. But it's really just a projection of something so much deeper and from a whole different dimension of understanding and comprehension. But I don't see that. So the parable blocks. It's almost like disconnected. It blocks. I don't see the where it's coming from. So the idea is changed in the parable, affected by the parable. It's concealed. It's hidden. So to this world, everything comes from Hashem. Everything is Hashem. Everything is God. Everything in this world is merely a projection of something godly. Every organ in the body is merely just a projection of the soul. The soul has a capacity to see and it's projected in the physical organ of the eye which perfectly matches the soul's ability to see. And the same is with every organ. So everything in the world is really just a projection. A materialization of something spiritual. The taste of the fruit is a projection. The sweetness in the fruit is a projection of a spiritual sweetness. It manifests itself in a material form of physical sweetness. There's a spiritual sweetness. There's a sweetness in doing someone a favor, kindness. There's a sweetness in figuring out an idea. There's a sweetness in song and music. There's a sweetness in spiritual, spiritual ecstasy. There's a sweetness in in godly ecstasy. So it's just a manifestation of a deeper and a higher form of life. But I don't see that. All I see is the physical manifestation. I don't see the connection between the spiritual and the divine, and the projection. So that's the idea that the godly energy is enclosed, is like trapped, is hidden and concealed. It's internalized, and and therefore it's it's changed, it's altered. And therefore it's disconnected. I don't see. It's origin. Versus, when it just passes through, like the finger, conveys an idea it's not altered, it's not hidden, it's not concealed, it's not limited. Its just passes through. Yes, it's through the finger, but the finger is not a vessel for it, the finger is not a vehicle for it, this finger that has no clue. It's just passing through. So it's pure. You're getting it's coming directly from the mind, from the brain, through the finger and the pen and the paper. The idea is pure, it's un- undiluted. So you're getting the higher dimension, but it's coming through the finger. Because otherwise, you can't communicate it. How do I communicate my idea to my head if I don't write it down? I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. I can't read minds. So it's conveyed through the finger. That's all it is. It's just, a, just conveying it. But it's conveying it in its purity, unadulterated, exactly as is. Undimmed, 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 undimmed. So on Yamtiv, this is what happens in Yamtiv. On Yamtiv, the world receives a higher level of energy from a much higher world, from the world of creation, which is the closest to the world of emanation. And that's why in Yamtiv you feel spiritual, you feel uplifted. It's, it's a different energy. The day, the whole day, the world, it's a different energy on Yamtiv. We're dressed up, but it's just a manifestation, a symptom of how we feel inside, that it's something special. It's a special day. It's not just a regular Tuesday, a regular Monday, a regular Wednesday. It's it's a yamte. It's a holy day. It's a mikroi koedir. We invite holiness. So that comes through. And we sense it. We sense it in the physical world. So yes, in order to arrive, in order to affect us and impact us, it has to go through the world of formation in the world of action. Just like in order for the idea to reach us, it has to go through the finger. So it has to go through the world of formation and action. But what are we getting? What do we feel? What do we sense? We feel that energy. The the energy of the world of creation. A whole different level of energy. It's not a regular day. It's a holy day. special day. This passage
0: is also called investment, for otherwise it would not affect the physicality of this world. Thus, just as with regard to the festivals, through the animation like first pass of through the Sierra and Tia, it is still considered to be an illumination of Fesed of Beriah. So too with regards to the laws. The light within the laws merely passes through the physicality with which they deal. It always retains a radiation of supreme wisdom.
1: So yes, the Torah has it deals with things that we could relate with the physical. From agriculture to animals to civil law to even the religious law talks about things that we can relate to. Otherwise we couldn't we couldn't relate. But what are we getting? What's being transmitted to us? The divine wisdom, the way Hashem thinks. And it's coming through loud and clear. Being transmitted clearly, undiluted. There's no hit. There's no concealment. Neither the physicality of this world, as discussed in
0: the Torah, unquestionably conceals completely, even the chesed of Assia, and surely then it conceals the perfusion no of supreme wisdom. So the question is,
1: even the kindness of Assia, the world of Assia, it's still a spiritual world, and this kindness, which with with which Hashem creates the physical, the material the tangible world, that's a cover-up and a concealment even for the level of kindness of the spiritual world of action. So when you're studying Torah, the objects that you're discussing are physical, created beings, tangible, physical, material beings of this world of action, which is a cover-up even on the level of the kindness of the spiritual world of action, how much more so a cover up and the level of wisdom, especially the supernal wisdom? So how could you say when you study Torah, there is no concealment, there is no cover-up, it's transparent. How can you say that? Ooh. Still
2: the Lord proper is not actually physical, it is the divine will drawn from the supreme wisdom for leniency or severity. Hashem's wisdom affirms that it be his will that a particular legal ruling be either lenient or strict. It is only that this will descends and illuminates in revealed fashion in the realm of the physical, just as water descends from a high place and so on. It is the very same water that is now to be found in a low place.
1: When you're studying Torah, yes, I'm dealing with the physical, the subject matter, something that's physical, of this world. But what am I studying? I'm studying the divine will, the divine wisdom. What does Hashem say in this case? Hashem thinks it's culture, it's not culture, it's permitted, it's not, or prohibited, pure and impure. So I'm studying Hashem's wisdom. So even though Hashem's wisdom is discussing something physical, Tangible, we can relate to, connect with. But what I'm getting is Hashem's wisdom, undiluted. And that's why the Torah is compared to water. Because water flows from high, water finds, you have water leaks and problems, water will find any opening and water will find the lowest spot. That's just the nature of water, it's unstoppable. So the nature of water is that it finds the lowest spot when when the water that water that flows to the bottom it's the very same water that was on top it's the same water that was on top is now all of a sudden all the way in the bottom in the lowest part the same water it's undiluted so the same divine wisdom that was found in the divine realms that very same divine wisdom is found in the in the physical discussion about the cow and the donkey and the landlord and the tenant and the And the uh, animal and the field and and the tomato and the... I mean, it's it's, it's the very same divine wisdom. And the anatomy and the person. Yes, because the physical object is dense and material. But here I'm studying Torah. I'm not engaged in the physical object. I'm engaged in the divine wisdom. What does Hashem think about this and this situation? What's right and what's wrong? What's truth and what's false? What's correct What's what's not correct. It should we be lenient? Should we be strict? This is Hashem's will. This is Hashem's opinion. This is what Hashem thinks. That's what I'm engaged. What does Hashem think about this? So what difference does it make? What the subject matter is? Just because the subject matter is an animal or a carcass or two crooks, what's, what, what's the difference? It's not, it's not about... The object, it's about what Hashem thinks. What's right and what's wrong. And that's Hashem's wisdom himself, undiluted. And that's what's being transmitted to us. And that's what we're we're getting when you study Torah. We're getting Hashem's wisdom, the divine, supernal wisdom, undiluted. The same water that was on high, that very same water. Hashem came down the mountain. Hashem took the Torah from heaven and brought it down the mountain into the physical realm. It's the very same Torah, the very same wisdom, the very same... And all is purity.
3: The physical object itself, which the law discusses, does in fact utterly obscure. As for example, in the law of one who exchanges a cow for a donkey, or the laws concerning flesh is or not is kosher.
1: So in the case of uh, someone exchange a cow for a donkey and the cow gave birth, but I'm not sure if he gave birth before the exchange or after the exchange. So who, who does the calf belong to? Or in the case of Pigle, is the cohen who's offering a sacrifice has to keep his thoughts Pure and proper. if he has a, a, a wrong thought if he thinks that he's going to sprinkle the blood um, at the wrong time not in the properly allotted time and he's thinking this while he's slaughtering the animal then he disqualifies the whole that thought disqualifies the whole sacrifice makes the whole sacrifice invalid and if you eat from that sacrifice you lose your life life gets cut off so all these laws like we learned earlier today living sitting on the Upper East Side in 2018 the laws of Pigol we don't have a temple unfortunately and there are no sacrifices unfortunately all these laws are completely irrelevant but it doesn't matter what I'm studying is what does Hashem say in this in this case it's kosher in this in this case it's not kosher this is what Hashem desires. This is what Hashem is thinking about the subject matter. This is what Hashem wants. And that's just as relevant and just as applicable and just as current as any, any time. So, so therefore, yes, the animal itself, I'm not dealing with a physical donkey or, or cow right now. I'm just talking about the idea. If in this in this case... This is what Hashem decides. This is what Hashem desires. This is right and this is wrong. So I'm not dealing here with the physical donkey. It's the concept. It's the idea of the donkey. So the physical donkey is coarse and crass and materialistic. It's a donkey. (laughs) And a cow. Nothing holy about the donkey. Nothing holy about the cow. I'm discussing the donkey. But it doesn't make the donkey holy. It doesn't make the cow holy. But the idea that in this in this case Hashem says that this is correct and this is the law and this is right and this is wrong in this case we're strict this case we're lenient that's divine that's relevant and current and eternal and that's I'm getting the same Torah the same divine wisdom it's just discussing this physical physical uh, Scenario. But the idea is divine and the idea is God. Versus when we learned earlier, when you do a mitzvah with an object, when you do a mitzvah with the esrog, you shake the lulav and the esrog, the actual esrog itself is godly, Because you're doing a mitzvah with it. You're fulfilling the divine will with this esrog. And the same is with all the physical mitzvah. But when you're studying Torah... I'm discussing a donkey that doesn't make a donkey holy. Torah is holy. The donkey is not. The donkey is a donkey. The donkey is part of this world and it's a cow and it's a donkey. But I'm discussing Hashem's wisdom in this scenario. So I'm drawing Hashem down. Hashem's wisdom descends and engages in our world. A world that we can relate to—a world of cows, and a world of donkeys, and a world of animals. But what am I? What's being transmitted to us? What am I engaged in? What am I learning? What am I connecting with Hashem's wisdom, undiluted, clear, direct wisdom? Is what Hashem is thinking. The actual cow or
3: donkey of flesh. Uh, do in fact completely conceal the meanings from the Supreme Wisdom. In contrast, it was stated above that when holding a physical etro, one is grasping the Hashem's essence of Atsilu. The difference lies in the fact that the etro is part of the Mitzvah. As such, it has no identity other than godliness, and thus does not conceal it. Since, by contrast, the physical cow or donkey are not part of the law, they can conceal godliness. With regard to the human intellect, however, which studies the law, since the intellectual cow and donkey are part of the law, they, in fact, do not act as a concealment.
1: Here it's the idea of the donkey the concept I'm studying an idea in this and this case in this and this scenario so the idea of the donkey and the idea of the cow is not a concealment it's just transmitting what Hashem thinks in this and this case the same wisdom and the same will of Hashem that's in the heaven and that deals with spiritual realities and divine realities that very same will and wisdom is transmitted in a physical scenario it's the same wisdom the same will how do we approach what's the godly way to approach this scenario this case isn't lenient, strict kosher, not kosher guilty, not guilty, right, wrong pure, impure permitted, prohibited So it's totally not a concealment. It's just a transmission. It's like the fingers just transmitting the divine wisdom, undiluted, undimmed, direct in its entirety. Like water, the very same water that was up there, the very same water we're getting down here. Versus the material world, the donkey itself, the cow itself, is a total cover-up and concealment in God. Even though the donkey and the cows, are, the cows are con- is a projection of of the spiritual. But I don't see that. It's completely covered up and concealed, and it's buried there. It's hidden and concealed and distorted, and therefore it's a materialistic being that's disconnected from Hashem. It's a mundane. It's not a holy. There's nothing holy about it when I do a mitzvah with something physical yes that object of the mitzvah becomes a holy object absolute because I'm fulfilling the divine will with this physical object but when I'm studying Torah even though I'm studying the Torah the 630 mitzvahs deal with the physical the anatomy and the animal and the flesh and the field and and all the nitty gritty of this physical world time and space and objects but the subject matter doesn't matter. What I'm studying is Hashem's will, Hashem's wisdom. So I'm connecting directly with Hashem. That's what's being transmitted to us. Directly. Openly. Just like the finger is transmitting the idea. It doesn't hide the idea. It doesn't conceal. It transmits it. All its purity, just passing through.
0: Only the legal ruling itself, with its revealed rationale, are from Malkut of Berea, i.e., the reasoning of the Gemara and of Yitzira, i.e., the rulings of the Mishnah of the state and the Shaman, which is godliness that vivifies and brings into being the nefesh ruach of Berea, Tsira and Asiya,
1: which are in the category
0: of created beings
1: So the halacha itself and the reasons of the halacha that's the world of creation which is the source of the Talmud that's the world of the intellect that gives the reasons the underlying rationale behind the halacha versus the world of formation that's the world of the Mishnah which gives us the halacha itself just the halacha right and wrong, kosher, not kosher Without the reasons, just the verdict, the the halacha itself, the law itself. Which are the emotions, the world of emotions. Should we be strict? Should we be rejecting? Should we be embracing and loving and saying it's kosher, it's permitted? So it's uh, the emotional verdict. Yes, no. Guilty, not guilty. The intellectual rationale behind it. The in-depth and what's behind it that's the Talmud but all of this is the Torah this is the world of godliness this is the Neshama which is still godly which creates the Nefesh and the Ruach the Nefesh and the, the Spirit and the creations of the world of creation and the world of formation the souls and the angels which are entities, created beings so this is a result of the godliness which is the neshama which is the Torah which is Hashem Hashem's will, Hashem's wisdom undiluted and the neshama, the soul which is godly like we discussed last week all the scientists in the world can create a soul a sentient being we're not a building block. We're not a Lego of parts, and <laughs> you can put together and nothing happens. It's not a mechanical event. It's something that comes from within. It's feel. It's a neshama. It's godly. We don't understand now a but we know. We just experience it. We know it's something mystical and magical, and just something that comes from within. It's, you can't explain it. It's no scientific explanation. It's it's a godly. So the neshama is godly just like we have a neshama so we are the microcosm so the macrocosm there's the neshama so the neshama of every world is godly and the godliness gives birth to the nefesh and the ruach which is already the energy which you don't sense the godliness it's like it's like an independent separate uh, being it's like words that are disconnected from a speaker as if they are words without a speaker <laughs> there's energy Where's the energy come from I don't know energy there's words if they are words maybe there's a the speaker no there's words <laughs> I don't see any connection to the speaker of his energy. What God? When God? And then, and then, of course, the sentient beings and the, the independent beings and the angels and the, and the souls. So they're all created beings. But where is their source? Their source is the neshama. That's what creates them. And that's the external level of malchut, of Hashem's divine speech. And that's what that's what creates them. So everything in this world is rooted, really, in the halacha and the Torah. Everything is rooted in the Torah. The Torah is the malchut, the Hashem's divine speech, Hashem's divine communication, and uh, this is the neshama, with which Hashem creates the world, creates the nefesh and the ruach, and then the the entities of each and every world, the angels and the souls. And then the physical creatures of this world. So the Torah is really the blueprint of all of reality. Everything that exists in this world must originate in the Torah. Says Hashem looked in the Torah and it created the world. Nothing could exist in this world without the Torah. Because the Torah, that's the divine will. That's the divine wisdom. That's the divine communication. And that's the neshama, which is godly, which has the ability to create, which creates... The world. So the world of Talmud, the level of the Torah of Talmud, the revelation of the level of the Torah Talmud, that creates the world of, 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 of the angels, uh, of, of the souls, the world of intellect. The level of the Mishnah, that creates the world of, and the angels are the world of formation, the emotional level. And then the action, that gives the written Torah, which is the world of action, that gives, creates the world of action, our world, physical world, material world, dense world. So, it all originates in the Torah, and... Which is godliness that identifies and brings into being the nephotrop
0: of Uriah, the tyrannosiyah, which are in the category of the beings, and which are the awe and love of angels, Souls and their habad, i.e., the contemplation of Hashem's greatness, that leads to love and fear. All this is created,
1: vivified, love
0: well, as are all-creating.
1: So the souls and the angels and their level of spirituality and the level, higher levels of consciousness and the level of comprehension and the feelings of awe of Hashem and the feelings of love and closeness to Hashem. This is all created. It's created from the Nishamba, from the Godhead, from the Torah.
0: As to this radiation of supreme wisdom that descends through the Malfur or Baria and the Seerah in the form of the Torah, as it is found in those worlds prior to its descent below, it therefore slakes the thirst of the souls of the angels
1: in the worlds of Burying the Sira before its ascent into this world like descending waters. So they are nourished by the Torah. The souls and the angels are nourished by the Torah, like water when it descends, because the Torah, this is the divine. This is the divine will. This is the divine wisdom. Undiluted. It's godly. The Torah, whatever level it's at, whether it's the level of the Talmud, the level of the Mishnah, the level of the written Torah, in other words, whether it's the level of the world of, uh, of, of creation, the world of formation, the world of action, it's divine. It's godly. It's the neshama which creates, has the ability to create all these entities. And not only it creates it and sustains it and nourishes it and slakes the thirst. That's why the the angels wanted to receive the Torah. Because they, by studying the Torah, this slakes their thirst because they're getting something godly. As spiritual as they are, it's when they study Torah... Because all their spirituality is limited. They can't get beyond the, the glass ceiling. They can't break out of the, their, their entities. They're their created beings, spiritual, but created beings, separate and apart from Hashem. When they study Torah, this is divine. So that when they study Torah on their level, on the level of the world of creation, the world of formation, this slakes their thirst. This is godly. They get like connecting to something godly. That's what they desire. That's what they want. And even after it descends, even after it descends into a sea, it transcends by far the bottom of a even of the state of Hashamah which is godliness. For this is godliness of a while the illumination of supreme wisdom within the laws of the godliness of a So he says and the Torah, even when the Torah comes down, in the world of action and discusses physical scenarios in our physical world which is the Torah as we know it it's higher than the level of wisdom chachma even the level of neshama because even though it's godly the level of neshama of every world is the soul the neshama is godly and that's what gives birth to the energy and to the created beings of that world. But it's, it's the level of godliness of that world. Versus the Torah is the level of the supernal wisdom of the world of emanation, which comes down clearly and directly, undiluted, like water. The very same water that was all the way on high, all the way on top. On the highest level, that very same water comes down all the way to lowest. That's the exact same water. Undiluted, unchanged. So when you're studying Torah, you're touching and you're connected to the level of the divine, supernal wisdom of the world of emanation. You're learning Hashem's wisdom. You're learning Hashem's will. Unchanged, undiluted. Even though the Torah is dealing with physical things and physical matters of this physical world of this coarse, crass, dense world. But it doesn't matter. The subject matter doesn't change at one iota. What I'm getting is the divine wisdom itself, the supernal wisdom, the highest level. That's why Torah is so precious. Torah is so special. And that's why the angels and the souls, this is what slakes their thirst. It's the Torah. That they're learning on their level. Because it's divine. And the Torah that we're learning in this world, the five-year-old child is learning is Chumash and Rashi, the puzzle, simple. You are learning the divine wisdom. You're learning Halacha and Shulchan Arun, the code of Jewish law. You're learning the divine wisdom. Supernalism. Unchanged. Undiminished. So you can understand why a Jew gets so excited when you're learning Tayyar. You can wrap your mind around an idea that we can grasp because the Torah deals with the physical, our world, our reality. We can relate to it 100%. We know exactly what we're talking about. I know what a landlord is, and I know what a tenant is, and I know what an animal is, and I know what a cow is, and I know what a donkey is. What am I learning? What am I gaining? What am I connecting with? What am I touching? The supernal wisdom of Hashem. The highest level. Which is greater than the highest level of godliness in the world of action. which is the source of all created beings in the world of action, or the level of highest level of godliness in the world of formation, which is the source of all created beings in the world of formation, or the highest level of the world of creation, which is the source of all the beings in the world of creation. Here I'm touching the, the supernal wisdom, the divine wisdom of the world of emanation. Hashem. The reason for
2: this transcendence is that the Chabad of Asiyah, of the state of Neshama, is the source of life of Chabad, of Nefesh Duach, and their offspring, and their coming into being ex nihilo with their offspring, and to the ultimate state of Asiyah, namely the earth and all its hosts. The Chabad of Asiyah, in the state of Neshama, is thus a source for created being. But as to the Chabad of the Lord with their Rasha'el, that are in Malchut of Kriya and Yitzhakah, the level of Chabad is not a source of created beings, rather, the function of the Chokhmah within them is the rectification of the visage of Atzilut, upon which are dependent all the rationales of the commandments. The rationale of the positive commandments depend on the five attributes of kindness of Zerantin of Atzilut and the rationales of the prohibitions in the five attributes of severity of their of Therefore, even when they descend to be close of created beings, even when the rationales for the laws that essentially derive from visage of Absolute descended to become rationales for laws for created beings, they are in malchut of Puriyah and Yetzirah of the specific godly state of Meshanaim which is of the vessels of Atsilut. The 30 vessels of Zeranthin of Atsilut become in the Shama for bria Yetzirah and Asiyah. And not of the degree of Ruach and Nefesh, the rationales for the laws did not vest themselves within Ruach and Nefesh, which are created there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now you going
1: to be here for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think we need Arizal to help us understand this, explain this. He says the level of godliness in every world, even the Chabad, the highest level of godliness in the world of, of action, the level of neshama, which is godly, but it is the source and the life force of the energy and the created beings of the world of action. So since it becomes a source for them, so it's not on the same level as the chabad, the wisdom and the understanding and the knowledge of the laws of the Torah and their reason. Which does not become a source for creation. It's above creation. Torah transcends creation Torah precedes the world Torah is beyond this world even when the Torah comes down and discusses and deals with the realities of our world and in great detail and the nitty gritty and it gets down to the tiniest detail and to be a master of Torah you really have to master the subject matter that you're dealing with. Rabbi went and studied an animal for three years in order to know the laws of B'khar, What's what uh, disqualifies it, what's considered a mum, a defect, not a defect, you have to know. A rabbi gives a Allahic verdict. He has to understand the subject matter. He has to know the medicine. He has to understand how the body works. He has to understand how the medicine works. He has to know, master it, in order to apply the Torah to this scenario, to this in this case. But the Torah remains aloof. The Torah remains transcendent. The Torah remains beyond this world. Because the Torah really deals with something very lofty. As the Shaloh HaKadosh, the Holy Shaloh of Ishayah Levi Horowitz who's buried in tveria near Maimonides. We, we visited it. And he writes, the Torah speaks Above and hints below. The Torah is speaking about physical things, but really the Torah is talking about divine. But,
0: but the Torah above is not the Torah below. It's not the. It's the exact same Torah.
1: It's the exact same.
0: It's
1: like Torah. water, the exact so, same Torah. So. But the subject matter, primarily, the subject matter primarily is the divine realm. And then it's projected into, into our realm. But the primary subject matter is above, in the divine, in the divine realm. When Torah says something is kosher, something is permitted, this comes from Hashem's divine attribute of kindness. When Hashem says something is prohibited, it comes from the divine attribute of strictness to stop the flow, to restrict the flow. Hashem says it's kosher, it comes from Hashem's attribute of kindness to allow for the flow. So the Torah primarily deals with the divine, the godly. So all the rationale in the Torah, all the reasons and the real reason is really a deep, mystical, divine reason. And that very same reason manifests itself then in every dimension, all the way down to the physical dimension. If this is right and this is correct, it's correct in every level. It works in every level. Once this is right and this is correct in the divine level, at the source, then it will work in every level. So you have the same Torah you have it, the simple level and then you have the more allegorical level and then you have the, 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 the deeper level and you have the mystical level and the spiritual level and the mystical level and the divine. If, some, if since it, it's, it works and operates on the ultimate and the divine level, so that same truth will manifest itself on every dimension. But it's that singular truth, it's that one singular truth. The Torah primarily deals with the divine. For example, the Torah speaks about a flood. The Torah precedes the world. The Torah transcends creation. What's the meaning of a flood? Flood is negative. There was sin. There was a flood. But the primary meaning of a flood is is what Isaiah describes, characterizes as the messianic era. There'll be a flood. A flood of knowledge that will purify the world, that will destroy the earthiness and the coarseness and the crassness of the world. So the Torah primarily deals with the divine. We're not dealing with anything negative, with anything coarse, crass, disconnected. It's dealing with very lofty divine reality. That's the primary essence of the Torah. And that truth, manifest itself like water. The very same water will come down in every level. That very same truth will manifest itself. And that truth will fit in every dimension. It's going to work practically and it's going to work emotionally and it's going to work psychologically and it's going to work intellectually and it's going to work spiritually and it's going to work every level. It, it's real. It fits. It's perfect. So it's perfect. It's divine. Only the divine is perfect. And that perfection manifests itself on every level, all the way down to the physical. But it's that very same truth, it's that divine perfection that manifests and permeates every single, even the physical, even the most simple, the physical, the practical. So it's primarily, you're talking about a divine perfection, a lofty divine truth. It just comes down in every level. So the Torah transcends the world. Even when the Torah manifests itself and comes down to this world, it, it, it's never a part of this world. It's, it's, it's beyond. It's a divine truth. It's divine perfection that comes down into this world. So it's not like the divine energy that creates the world. The divine energy that creates the world, yes, it's godly, but it creates the world. It's the source for this world. The Torah transcends the world. The Torah remains transcendent. As the Talmud says, Torah does not receive impurity. The Torah is above impurity, it's above time and space. That's why you can study Torah. And it says if you study Torah, it's as as if it's considered as if you've done it. But it transcends time and space. If I study about the sacrifices, it's as if I've offered sacrifices. When I practically bring a sacrifice, I'm limited in time and space. I could only bring a sacrifice during the day. A Kohen. But any Jew... Who studies sacrifices day or night? Amara Cohen. It's considered as if I have brought the sacrifice. Torah transcends time and space. Torah is transcendent. Torah is divine. Torah deals primarily with the lofty, with the divine, with the godly. It precedes the world. It transcends the world. And that transcendent truth, and that perfection, that divine perfection, that divine vision, that divine perfection. That's what comes down, trickles down, all the way to the physical. Not only trickles down, that very same water comes down. And therefore it's perfect. Therefore the Torah works. It works. Here we are, 3,800 years late, 3,300 years later. We are. It works. It works practically. It works on every level. Because it's emmesh. It's divine. It's godly. It's openly godly. It's it's openly revealed. The divine energy that creates the world, the divine energy is concealed in the world. I don't see that divine energy. So even though the divine energy is the source of the world, but the divine energy is hidden and concealed. Yes, the divine energy is constantly creating, but it's concealed at the same time versus the Torah is not concealed the Torah is open Torah is revealed it's light it's, the, it's, the, it's transcendent it's divine it's godly it's, and it manifests itself in all its illumination in all its intensity in all its loftiness and all its transcendence in this physical world in the nitty gritty in the practical this is what's unique to Torah That's why studying Torah is so special. So the divine energy that creates the world, that's God's speech. It's the lowest level. But the Torah, this is divine wisdom. And it remains divine wisdom. And it retains that transcendence. Even as it's lowered into our dimension, it retains that purity and that transcendence, infinity. That's TARF. That's unique to TARF. This class
0: is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.